what if everything you thought and believed about successful buying, selling, and financing your home was wrong? Welcome to HomeWise with Michael Midget. This is where you can count on straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. Whether it's buying, selling, or financing, even maintaining and growing its value along the way. Coming to you from the News Talk STL studios at Union Station in St. Louis, here's your host, Michael Midget. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, indeed, it's HomeWise, HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget. I can't believe we are at show number eight. We've had a few great months here, buddy. How are you, Mr. Michael Midget? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you? Really good. I've learned so much and uh, like a little kind of like a child. What was it like? Um, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, speak to me like a third grader or something kind of like that. Uh, and uh, I feel that way. You haven't done that, but uh, I feel like that's the way I've learned. Like I'm aiming for that. Okay. I mean, one of, you know, it's an interesting, Abraham Lincoln, he was a great communicator, mm-hmm. uh, books, you know, uh, whole, like an encyclopedia's worth of information been recorded about him, mm-hmm. his ability to communicate. That's one of the things that made him great at, at what he did at the time, you know? So, uh, it's a great person to try and emulate. Um, yeah. and this is, you know, this is, it's personal financial information, uh, directed at housing, personal finance. Uh, as you know, I believe the family home is the epicenter of the personal financial situation. And so that makes it important. And so the decisions you make wrapped around that, um, from experience, I find that, uh, well, I, you know, I just don't think they're given the weight that, that they could be. And so, uh, statistically 83% of personal wealth winds up in, uh, or represented by home equity in the family home at retirement more than any other, uh, by far more than any other source. And, um, you know, it's not the kind of thing where when you get there, you're like, oh, I didn't hit my mark. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like it is, you know, it is what it is. And so that theme of, you know, making uh, the wrong decision, right? It's a dangerous kind of wrong. Yeah, there's a fear there. really knows wrong. Because nobody shows up at the end and says, hey, guess what? You know, you could have done this or should have done this. (laughs) And you see what that number is. And, you know, those uh, those decisions, those outcomes, they compound over time. And so uh, how much you put down on a house, how much you finance, the way you finance it, the structuring, all of that matters. What you pay, what you sell for, when you pay, who you choose to help you do those things, right? It's a whole list mm. of professional service providers and that that get uh, they get uh, hired to do various jobs through that. Most of the time, um, I just, I don't see people taking, um, it's not that they don't take it seriously, but how do you choose? I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult to choose. You know, in mortgage land, we talk about, um, I coach about um, how do you differentiate yourself from other people in the market? Because when, when, when you're part of the group, when you're in the group, you start to lose sight of what it looks like, what you look like from the outside. Mm. And so I constantly go back and I, I, and I remind them, you know, yeah, we like sitting here in the room, like, yeah, we know the difference between each other. I know how I'm different from you. I know how I'm better than this guy, you know, or, you know, or whatever, Mm -hmm. but turn that table around to a consumer who doesn't know anything about all of this. And, And it's not their job to know it. Okay. It's our job to know it. 
but talk to a few consumers, they can't tell the difference. Some of them go at it alone. They can't. They don't. They can't. Right. They can't. The you know, they can't tell the difference. So they take uh, whatever referral they can get. They take, uh, you know, who did you use? Who you, you know, who did I use last time? Who did my neighbor use? Who did my brother-in-law use? Oh, I got a brother-in-law in the business, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of like the extent of how, you know, of how they pick. So, you know, there are just some tweaks, some decisions that could be made better that change that, that, the, you know, that benefit compounds throughout the entire life that you're going to own this. And then you end up with what you end up with at the end. So the idea is just make better decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm here to help you with. So back to the original point of Abraham Lincoln and, you know, simplifying it down to what a uh, third grader can understand. Yeah, that is honestly, that is what I'm what I'm striving for. But um, I'm also not the kind of person that gets accused of uh, oversimplifying things very often, <laughs> you know. So we're we're working on all that. That's great. That's um, great. And yeah. I know it's uh, there are limitations to radio. You know, I'm there so are. glad we're there here are. and online at homewiseradio.com. But there, there is are. that limitation, and, and uh, you know, I. It's difficult when you know as much as you do. Can you yeah. imagine asking someone, yeah. a surgeon or somebody, yeah. to explain it on the air? Yeah. And that's what we're, um, that's what I'm working on, right? So this uh, is an audio format. We're on the radio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the website, homewiseradio.com, uh, not quite there yet, but um, we'll have video on it. There will be supplemental materials. So when I talk about ideas, you know, I reference, you know, do this differently, but then we don't really unpack that to the degree that it needs to be unpacked because mm-hmm. it really can't do it in this format. You can find that on the website. Yeah. Yeah. There's like little, in my yeah. head, little lights that go off yeah. like, okay, and you're going to see more at the website there on that right. one or this or right. that. And then the experts that we bring in to help us unpack ideas, you know, mm-hmm. each week we've got somebody that we interview, we have a conversation with, and I strive to get the very best. And this week is no different. Yeah, so you got a great one coming What I'm going to do is we're going to jump into a few things because a lot has happened this past week uh, in the news uh, with, uh, you know, this is the first week of December. And the first week of the month is generally when uh, news and new data and things like that comes out. So okay. there was a few things that I just, um, you know, kind of jumped out, you know, jumped out at me. So we got some new housing numbers, pending pending home sales down again month over month and year over year, uh, what we would expect, okay? Um, in the personal financial arena, so this is what's interesting because these are some of the things that I really focus on, things like personal savings rate okay, is down, again, has been coming down. This is the rate at which people are saving or keeping their savings? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a metric. It's an, it's an indicator that uh, economists look at to determine, it kind of helps them determine what the health of a household is. Okay? okay. So households that are saving a lot of money are thought to be healthier than households that aren't saving money. And so now remember, this is, a, th- you know, this is an index. So it's a whole bunch mm-hmm. all wrapped, all wrapped together. Okay. And uh, so it's been coming down steadily since the economy opened up, mm-hmm. right? So during the pandemic over the last two years, it had reached record highs, right? Yeah. Cause we couldn't go out. We couldn't spend any money. The government was giving us a lot of money. People were just <laughs> taking it and putting it in the bank. Yeah. And um, so those numbers had gone up. Now they've come way back down. 
And uh, also at the same time, we're seeing credit card usage and debt rise. Okay. And the way that we see personal savings rate going down to historic lows, I, I, you know, I think currently numbers somewhere around 2%. Uh, credit card debt usage is at record levels. Oh my. So, you know, the, the wide change over such a short period of time, I mean, you know, economists don't, don't live month to month the way that, I mean, a lot of things they do and look at are trends. Mm. So to see these trends change like this, you know, I've spoken in the past about market distortions Mm -hmm. and what's happened the last couple of years and what the Fed's done, you know, and, you know, and all of that, it creates distortions and these distortions ripple throughout our entire economy. And so, um, the news, you know, from that is consumer spending, right? So we just had uh, Black Friday. Yeah. And, you know, record numbers again set. But um, consumers are spending on debt. It's debt. So it's not mm. real dollars. Wow. All right. That's a big um, one. And you're hitting me right between the eyes, it's buddy. It's not unusual. Well, it, it hits everybody. Yeah. I mean, myself included. Mm. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know... Um, they're just, you know, you know, they're just numbers. So these are, you know, these are the things that we will, you know, we'll, you know, we'll keep eyes on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we got some monetary numbers in uh, this past week. Inflation came in lower or lower than expected. And so the way that works is there's a monthly reading. You take 12 months readings, add them together. That's one of the metrics that the Fed uses to try and gauge that. Okay. So this past Last piece of data we got for October replaced October's number last year. Mm. And so I think it was 0.5 versus 0.2. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. Don't worry about that. What you need to know is that it was a net reduction from the prior year. Mm. All right. And so based on that and a bunch of other um, information, you know, the Fed, Jerome Powell, comes out and says that, we expect to begin reducing rate hikes. Now I'm paraphrasing. Okay? Yeah. You didn't actually say that. I remember hearing that in the news though, that, that we code, were leaning right, that way. Right, right, code. Right, right. It's yeah. in code. And so we get, um, we get readings from that in stock market and bond market and, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Generally that's thought to be a healthier thing when rates are going to come down. And that's, and that's what people hear, but understand that's not what he said. Interesting. He said rate hikes slowing down or, you know, I, you know, I think, I, you know, I think the number is 75. We were expecting now we're expecting 50. Okay. So it's still increasing. It's just not increasing at the same rate. Because these were rolling okay. up these, these right. hikes, right? And then right. there was fear about that. Right. And interestingly enough, inflation is the same way. When we think of inflation coming down, inflation coming down is not the same thing as prices coming down. It's, the rate at which prices are going up is slowing down. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, that is kind of the crux of the question that I thought this week. So I was, um, I was sitting in the gas station yesterday and I, you know, you get out, you put the gas, thing in the car and then you get because it's chilly out right yes. and I like to stand around in the cold I'm a tropical guy so <laughs> I get back in the car right and I I don't think you're supposed there's signs that say don't do that but I yes mean, come on you know come on <laughs> man all right um <laughs> had you by the way Mike had you gotten a drink 
because that would be icy and it's cold. Did you go in and get a drink? Because I cannot yeah. resist at the convenient mark getting a no, drink. No. Okay. I mean, you know, that's just, just back in the car. Well, you know, it's we're in a time of inflation <laughs> and people are trying to cut back wherever they can. You're you know? right. That so, little thing every day. Again, myself not excluded. Yes. You know, I'm a common person. You got to splurge every right. once in a while. Right. By the way, that's Michael Midget. Right. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. I'm Paul Cook. Yeah, check out homewiseradio.com if you're not already there. Okay, we're at the gas station. You know, right. So I'm at the gas station. I'm putting gas in the car and I'm thinking, you know, I got the radio going because I listened to, you know, 1019 in the background, pretty much wherever I go. Nice. And, I am thinking about this and I'm wondering like, you know what? I know that, you know, once this starts to subside, uh, you're going to see gas prices come down. But I, I got to thinking, right. I go, do you really think that as inflation comes down, as we return more to a normal thing, are you really going to see the prices on stuff that we buy every day go down? Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, so I'm sitting at the gas station, I'm in my car. So I think of it a car example, right? And um, when we talk about prices, we're talking about commodity prices. So things like gas, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, things that kind of fluctuate. Right. They Right. They fluctuate with the market. With the market. But there are the prices of other things that go into produce the things that we buy that aren't so tied to those uh, inflationary fluctuations in the market. Okay. And so if you think about it, I'm sitting in a car, I'm thinking like, okay, you know, cars made out of steel, right? So yes. you've got to buy steel to make, you know, to make the car. The steel is a commodity. Yeah. The price of steel is going to fluctuate. Um, but car parts, right? So you're going to take the raw material, you're going to create parts. And yeah, you know, some of those are going to be sensitive to that, but others aren't because they're specialty, uh, you know, input, uh, you know, uh, intellectual property, things like that, you know, that bake into that. And then you have the car itself. And as you move from mm. pure commodity to end product, you start to get the, you know, the pieces of the puzzle that aren't going to come down, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking of wages. It's unlikely that you're going to see wages come down. Okay. Right? And so here is now I know that's this is and a that's potentially just, inflammatory subject because everybody knows somebody that's either lost their job or something changed, you know, they got consolidated one. out of a job. I know that happens oh, yeah. in this, you know, that that happens a lot, all right? But understand you know, when we're looking at, you know, these indexes in the news and things like that, um, they're looking at the ordinary everyday average American worker. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if we take the guys making cards, we take the guys on lines, the guy, you know, doing like the everyday, like the office work, people, you know, just your average everyday person, mm-hmm. they make X. Okay. And they don't, you know, they don't, they don't get, um, most don't get cost, like a pure cost of living adjustment, right? So inflation was this. And so you're going to make extra this to make up for that. I the wish. Way, right, right. The way yeah. that a social security check uh, will go up like mm-hmm. that and, and be indexed to that. Um, but they do make more money over time, generally speaking, because, you know, and I can see it because I work with people on their income 31 years now. I have people that I've tracked over time. I've done multiple things with. So I've got W-2s from each year, right? And I can see them, you know, they made X and made a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. 
And that's just kind of the way it goes. Same job, a little, you know, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more money. And those inputs aren't quite as um, sensitive to inflation, right? And so if you think about it, you know, like when was the last time you heard, you know, uh, somebody getting a pay cut, mm. like a pure pay cut, like same job, but we're just going to pay you less now. Man, are tough. And, you know, yeah. you actually hear the opposite. You know, you hear we're raising the minimum wage. Got to have a living wage. You know, it's there's like, a lot of that right, talk. The pressure, like not right, the going talk down. is all the opposite direction, which, by the way, those kinds of things tend to be inflationary. Mm. Okay. So, it, it, you know, it can get to be a really complicated subject, but it just got me thinking about. Um, You're sitting in the car. Right. I'm sitting in the car and it. The idea of, so think about this, all right? You don't see wages come down, but what you do see are, um, you know, how do I want to put you, this? You need one of these uh, uh, grease pencils or uh, Sharpie <laughs> on the on the window. I see a beautiful well, mind right. and a lot of figures right. coming out. All right, I see, yeah, in front of a grease board, <laughs> right, a whiteboard. <laughs> whiteboard. What you see is uh, doing the same, you, doing a larger job, doing more more work for the same amount of money, like increasing worker productivity, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. through technology, sometimes just through you're working more hours, right? It's a form of shrinkflation. Mm. Now, we're all familiar with that in the food example. Okay? Yeah. And, um, you know, smaller packages, same price, or smaller packages, a little bit, little bit higher price and stuff like that. More packaging, less product. Right. So <laughs> when, when inflation goes back and things start to normalize, do you really think that you're going to see those prices come back down? Like, do you think you're going to see packages return to the size that they were Yeah. without, it, with, without the accompanying price increase? Yeah. You're or, right. You know, just right? generally speaking, you don't, they don't go back to it. Like, right. well, now we're going to start putting a few more Cheetos in the, in the bag and less air. Yeah. Those kind of things just don't no. happen. These kind right. These kinds of things tend to not undo themselves. Okay. Prices once raised tend to stay there. Now they may not go up at the same rate they might've gone up before, but they, but they don't go backwards. And that, that is the crux of the, the point that I'm trying to make is don't get confused that inflation is the speed at which something is increasing. It's not the speed of the thing, right? Okay. In order for prices to come down, you'd need to see deflation. And that's just not going to happen. We're measuring that speed. That's really fascinating. So don't expect it. Don't expect uh, these prices right. to come down or right. you to get more product. I- I'm really excited to hear what our guest thinks of all of this coming up next. Also, more on this subject, which is really fascinating. And uh, we got to figure out what really, you know, the thinking uh, fully in the car there. You're exactly right. I mean, it's like, wow. Uh, looking at all the things around you in the car. You know what I mean? And just all that goes into that. And I don't know if you're totally talking about that, but uh, that's hitting me. My name is Paul Cook. You're listening to HomeWiseRadio.com, episode eight with Michael Midget, And we will be right back. Also, make sure you check out HomeWiseRadio.com. We're just getting started. You're listening to HomeWise Radio. He said it. 
You're listening to HomeWise Radio. My name is Paul Cook, and Michael Midget is the host. HomeWiseRadio.com. We were talking a little bit about expectations uh, in our last break, about expecting things to change. And I know that's what you and our guests kind of are always trying to gauge where things are headed and the rate at which they are headed. And that was some unique information, and that's what's cool. Go back to uh, HomeWiseRadio.com, and you can listen to that segment. If not, I know we'll retouch on it uh, as we continue. But, Michael, you've got a guest you brought in here. I do. Um, In the studio, I have Mark Gelman, the Gelman team with EXP Realty. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, fellas. Well, thanks for coming out. Appreciate it. Um, we've been talking about, well, every week we talk about something to do with this, but it seems like the narrative has been inflation prices, what we're experiencing in the market. And that's, it's just such a huge subject. And, you know, I kind of have the, you know, the financing end of that. We've gone out over at ad nauseum. What I wanted to do today, because you are, you know, I think you're the guy to ask this question to, honestly. The um, guy. The I guy. appreciate yes. that. The, the That's guy. a compliment. We'll see um, if I deliver. A big one. <laughs> uh, is give us a more detailed idea of what's going in, you know, what's going on in the market. But before we get into just like jumping in, why don't you tell us about yourself and Sure. I've been in real estate for 13 years. I got into it uh, right as it, the market was crashing. So it was an interesting time that people ask, well, how is today different from then? Completely different time. Wow. 2008, 15 months of inventory. Today, less than a month and a half of inventory in any market. So totally different. It's just a unique, it's something we've never seen before. And the reason we've never seen this market, 2008, severe buyer's market, 15 months of inventory. Yet today where inventory is less than a month and a half, very weak, traditionally considered an extreme seller's market, but there's also a demand issue because as interest rates have risen, uh, can I blame it on you or no? You can try. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish Volley. I had that kind of control. I wish I had that kind of control. <laughs> but the uniqueness is as interest rates have risen, it really has halted the market in many cases. So the uniqueness that we're seeing today is that there's a significant amount of homes still that are selling just like they were six months ago. Multiple offers, over asking, limited contingencies. But the uniqueness is these other great homes, maybe a little deferred maintenance, a little dated, those homes are sitting and even taking price adjustments and not selling. Wow. So it's one of the most unique markets where there's just two ends of the spectrum, unlike 2008. Right. What a difference that must be for you. Like you said, you started in that. Uh, I mean, did you imagine it would get to this point? Uh, I want to hear about that. Like you've seen so much change over your time. Sure. So it's interesting. First of all, there's the old saying, what goes up must come down. So a lot of people over the last year, year and a half, there's no way this market's going to soften because of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Significantly far less homes being built being vacated over the years. You have investors that are competing and buying institutional investors, buying these homes. Mm. So the inventory availability was significantly less that people would question, how's the market going to change? The biggest change that happened was the interest rates. 
which then goes into your whole inflation and then what the Fed policy. So it's all tied together. People did not predict it in this severe, this quickly, because interest rates shot up so quickly. Again, well, we won't blame it on Michael, but we'll kind of give him some credit. But that's what we, nobody expected interest rates to double or more as quickly as they did. Yeah, this is honestly, this is, that's, and that's a great point to bring up, Mark. Um, because I, you know, again, 31 years and I was, anti- I've been anticipating this the whole time. Like as soon as, you know, uh, with, with what we went through with the, the record high markets, record low interest rates, record, just like, just about a record on, you know, on everything. In fact, never before um, has the U.S. economy been shut down before, right? So mm. the whole thing is a grand experiment. Let me ask, what did you do before then? You said 13 years, if you don't mind saying. Sure, Mark. I started out um, at a college, Indiana University, go Hoosiers, yeah. uh, a CPA. Okay. And then I uh, worked in the, uh, we, we own a shoe business also. When I uh, started the uh, internet division of that, sold it, was a real estate investor, and migrated from a real estate investor to a full-time real estate professional. And I ended up building a pretty sizable team. We've sold over 4,000 homes, about a billion mm. six of uh, sales. So, mm, Man, you went the right direction, it sounds like, Mark. It worked out well. I'm excited. Yeah, right. I think, you know, it, it has a lot to do with the person behind it. You know, if you are the kind of person, you know, that's oriented to success, you're going to succeed in whatever you do. And if you're not, well, you know, you're not. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, and I was, um, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm pulling out, you know, uh, just a couple of things here. So you don't, you don't see a bubble crash or whatever we would hear about in, in the news. Sure. So it is completely different from 2008. Right. Certainly we're That's seeing good. a significant softening. So there's no doubt about it. We're seeing seller and buyers, the disconnect between the two, because you have sellers selling today that are frustrated that their neighbor sold for X Mm. as is six months ago. You have buyers that's heard the news, the market's crashing. And so now buyers are writing offers that look different than six months ago. Their motivation's different. So there's really a a disconnect. However, even this last couple weeks, we've seen interest rates go down a little bit. Again, if we're going to blame the raise on you, We'll give you some credit. Thanks for lo- helping to lower them. But Fed Chairman seen, Michael Midget, yeah. an increase in buyer demand by the movement of interest rates. There's a psychology when they hit seven, which they're below, but there was a psychology first off when they hit five and, or even four, and then they hit five and then they hit six and seven. So now that they softened, there was some positive movement. So I think the uniqueness about this market right now, it's a fragile market. It can go either way. It can change on a dime, and we just have to pay attention to it. Earlier, you were asking about uh, what we project is going to happen. We certainly don't have a crystal ball, but we're paying attention to three specific things. Interest rates, the overall economy, stock market, and other, and inventory levels. Those three things will impact What's going to happen as we go into the spring market, as we finish up the fourth quarter, those three things, interest rates, overall economy, and the stock market, and inventory levels are going to have the greatest impact. Yeah. Um, you know, the 
one of the things, so one of the things that, that we talk about on the show are, um, the, how the family home, uh, works as an investment, the investment angle, angle to it. And thinking back to the great recession. So this is, you know, extension of that initial question about the bubble, you know, what do you see for that? Um, People are afraid to buy because they think that prices like that, you know, prices are high. They're going to come down because they're listening to the news and they're hearing bubble talk, crash talk, when that's not necessarily supported by the metrics of what's in what's in the market. We're not seeing the same thing. It's a different it's a different market, just like you said. Um, But there's people that need to buy now, want to buy now. They're looking for that house, but they're kind of holding off because they're not sure because they're not getting the counseling mm-hmm. or they're not, you know, they're just not hearing, hearing the right thing. I mean, what, what would you say to them? Sure. So we've actually changed our, our whole marketing communication. So versus it's a great time to buy. It's a great time to sell. Most real estate agents will create a two videos. It's a great time to buy. And then the next one right after it's a great time to sell. <laughs> That's a little <laughs> peculiar, but that's marketing 101 that doesn't work. Right. We actually went away from that. Number one, is it a good time to buy or sell? It's a great time to buy or sell if it's a great time for you and your family to buy or sell. Meaning, you're upsizing, you're downsizing, you're moving into the market, out of the market. You want this sense of home ownership. It's a great time. By the way, yes. It's the greatest source of, the equity is the greatest source of an investment of, of building a nest egg and over, over time. But anybody that's listening that believes that this is their best investment today, it may not be. And the reason is this is f- going to create memories. It, this is going, it's, it's way bigger than simply an investment. I own a lot of real estate, a lot of investment, and that, when you own a multifamily, you own a building that's revenue producing, that's an investment. But a house over time absolutely is a great opportunity to build equity, pay down the note, get deductions where appropriate for taxes and other. And ultimately, it's a great place that we hope still over time is there in an opportunity. What happened in 2008 is unfortunately loans were being made to people that didn't have business at that point buying it. And then what would happen Mm. is when interest rates went up and they reset the loans, they couldn't afford them. So it all starts with making sure, which I know you guys do a great job. You're underwriting, you're making sure, you're advising people, not what you're qualified for, but what's your comfort level of your loan payment. And I mean, I know that's part of your what you do it's you're an advisor so i hope i answered your question over time but it's not as black and white as just to say buy now sell now it's when it's right for you all and over time it's going to be a great opportunity to see appreciation right and that's you know i don't always like you know just so everybody is clear i don't always know how these answers are going to come out mm-hmm. on the radio I, right. I think that it is it's i mean it's healthy to have all other other ideas, other points of view, other other perspectives. Um, you know, when we talked about the experts uh, segment that a uh, couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, different experts, different viewpoints. 
Um, but in other ways, you know, they're the same. Yeah. Right. And so, so interesting. there are absolutely other reasons to own a, own a house other than investment. There's an emotional aspect. There's a, uh, you know, there's a, just a, it makes a person a person. And you were saying in, in weeks ago, a dwelling, you were talking about, you know, this is your home. If, it, if it's right for you, which is uh, kind of what you're saying and, and right. Mark Elman is saying right, right now too. Right. And if it's the right time, you should not be afraid to buy. Mm-hmm. Or if you're it's being right forced, for you. right. Or if you're being forced to move, like if you're relocating to feel bad about that. Okay. Even if we look back at the, um, the uh, Great Recession, which was the worst real estate market that any of us will have ever experienced. Good. Um, Hopefully. <laughs> the time from like trough, meaning the bottom of that market, to when it when it recovered. Yeah. Or maybe it would be from the peak to the trough and then back back to a recovery period was could have been as as short as a few years or as long, I mean, it was less than 10 years, mm-hmm. depending on where you, where you owned and where you bought at. Right. So I told the story about owning in South Florida, a pre-construction kind of like there wasn't a worse thing that I could have done. <laughs> right. So I made every mistake in the book, but it has come back and it had, I don't own it anymore. <laughs> if I went, Bummer. I can look and see that it came all the way back. And so you know, that's that idea of if you have to have a roof over your head, so you're either going to own something or you're going to pay rent, right? You're not going to escape that cost. If you have a family, I mean, you know, you can't live with mom and dad with the family and, you know, everything like that. But somebody's going to incur that cost somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's just who who is going to incur it. But if we're, you know, if we're comparing apples to apples, um, buying makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, you know, that's the point. And there's no doubt about it when you're talking about renting versus owning. I mean, the fact is there's an old saying that the interest rate on renting is 100%. The other thing is the impact of inflation. Once you're in your home, don't get me wrong, there's, you know, taxes are going to go up and other repairs and other, but ultimately we are seeing rents and that's why it's attractive to own multifamily and other in this type of environment because rents are continuing to increase. So there is a stability if you can afford that home. There is a lot of stability. Right. And I think that's also the key is if you can afford it. So we're not suggesting that you go out and buy something that you can't afford. Or if you're taking a rate today that's higher than what they might be in the future, anticipating that, hey, you know what, I'm going to refinance into a payment that's affordable over the long term. It's not what we're talking about. Hmm. If you can afford it, if it makes sense, what you can do now, don't be afraid because you think it might be a bad investment. uh, Because of where we are right now. You know, my experience with trying to time the market, you know, like that's, it's a fool's game. Hmm. You're spot on. There is absolutely no way to time this market. Right. And I've sat on stocks to relate it to stock market. I've sat on stocks that I never bought because they kept going up. Mm. And then I sat out, waited for it to go down and never. And I've also gone the other way. I own stocks quite high. They were going down. Oh, they'll stop going down. And I wrote it all the way down. You can't time. You have to be consistent. And again, if it's the right time for you and your family to own a home, buy a home. I agree. And use an expert, (laughs) right? Because there's many ways, both of you guys, there's many ways you can, uh, well, you're going to cheat yourself out of uh, money on this huge uh, 
element of your financial future. That is so fascinating, Mark Gelman, about it's got to be right for you. And uh, anytime you try to time something out and you think you know, that's when you get bit, huh? Uh, you know, my experience has shown me not to time things. That's why in, in uh, investments, I dollar cost average. I put the same amount in every month. Sometimes it goes up, some it goes down. But over time, you'll have stability. That's Mark Gelman. We're listening to HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget. He's our main host. Michael, what are we going to talk about in this third segment? Can you tell us? It's a secret. It's a secret. We'll be right back. You <laughs> got to hear. Yeah. <laughs> one more one more thing before we go. Mark, how would uh, how would we get a hold of you if we wanted to talk to you? Sure, I appreciate. The easiest thing to do would be to Google the Gelman team. T-H-E-G-E-L-L-M-A-N-T-E-A-M. You'll notice we have 755 star reviews on Google. So uh, it's an easy place to find us. My phone number is 314-578-1123. Again, 314-578-1123. And by the way, Am I being kicked out or I, do I get to stick around for a minute? We're not, we're not kicking you out, but we're, get, we're up against a hard break here. And I just want to make sure that we had the contact information in case. I mean, I'm going to call you. Cool. Me too, man. <laughs> I mean, it's impressive. Thank you, Google. The Gelman team. He's okay. part of the secret coming up in the third segment. Stay right there. HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget. You have been listening to HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget and our esteemed guest, Mark Gelman from the Gelman team. And uh, we're having a stimulating conversation here. Uh, and I know, Michael, you had more questions for Mark. I do. And it's, it's really just kind of, I want to, I always try to bring value to people. And, Indeed. you know, I've got my lane. I invite the experts in to get their take on things. And there's something that, you know, it kind of been bouncing around in my head since we were talking in the last segment and even into the beginning segment when I opened up and we were talking about the complexity of the markets, mm -hmm. right? So multifaceted, multi-different markets kind of all converging together to create the environment within which we have to live our financial lives, all right? And, you know, you multiple times, you, Mark, you said something akin to, we haven't seen this before. It's unusual. It's unique. It's, there's a disconnect. Um, when I hear that, I just, I just think, I mean, number one, I, I, I feel and see and experience a lot of the same things in my market. You know, when the fed comes out and speaks and, um, bonds start going crazy, like years worth of fluctuation happens over the course of a couple of hours. It's just, it's in, like, we've never seen anything like that before. I have multiple services feeding me data in real time and they can't even keep up in real time. Right. And we're trying to make decisions, do the best things we can for clients. That's where experience comes in and knowing what that is going to be trying to anticipate things ahead of time so that we're ready to go because it's not always like, Hey, I want to do that. And boom, we can just do that at mm. the drop of a hat. Sometimes there's a little bit of plan to do it. Right. Takes a little bit of planning. And so unique market, um, I don't think this is something where you want an inexperienced agent, you know? So like you were talking about uh, how to sell a house, like the right house, you know, how to, how to put it up or whatever. What would you do to sell a house today in, in today's market? Sure. So 
And first off, I appreciate um, there's a lot of great agents out there, but I think at the end of the day, you have to interview the agent that has the experience. And again, there's plenty with experience. But here's the thing. We've actually taken a very consistent approach that allowed us to sell over 4,000 homes over our career. That consistent approach we've taken is preparation for sale, marketing to the highest level, over communicating with our clients in the market. And so, by the way, even in the worst perceived worst market or the best market, when it was easier to sell homes, we still took that approach because we never wanted a, there to be a, wow, we love this home, but it would have been better to prepare it for sale because all this deferred maintenance and other, even though in a strong market, some of that was not, didn't have to be done. We've been one that have always taken a consistent approach. So even a vacant homes, we traditionally stage vacant homes, even in mm. the hot market in the early spring market of 2022, we still staged vacant homes. I own a lot of investment properties. I buy investments. I fix and flip homes. I still stage it. Does it need staging? A lot of them don't, but I don't want to err on the side of missing something because your window of opportunity, when you put a home on the market that's not prepared for sale, it is a problem. 90% of home buyers start their search on the internet. Unlike 10 years ago, the internet wasn't being as used. It was start, certainly starting to be used. But today, the first showings are on the internet. People coming into the market, people leaving the market. So what happens is you have to put your best foot forward. We've been one to always do that. Then when you get into negotiating and once you do get that contract, it's not as easy as just getting the contract go to closing. You know, there's multiple, <laughs> multiple, multiple contingencies throughout the process. There are. You need an expert that's going to, number one, educate the buyer, the seller about the contingencies, navigate through those contingencies, and the best of the best agents are getting homes closed at prices that exceed the overall market average, and they're closing a higher percentage of homes than the, the agent that's not as seasoned. I don't know if that helped you, but again, my philosophy is prepare the home t for sale, put the best foot forward, and when we're talking about prepare, if it has deferred maintenance, get the deferred maintenance fixed. Don't rely on the consumer to look at a home and overestimate how much it's going to cost to redo the whole mm. home, to see there's some wood rot and other. Oh, and then they it may only be $1,000, 500 but the consumer may think it's 4005 So again, preparation for sale, highest level of marketing possible because of the internet, in person, offline. So for somebody like us, we do huge online presence, but equally, we're in a lot of the magazines and other things of postcarding that's old school, but we don't know where our buyer is going to come. So we really want to hit every opportunity. And you know what? I can mm. verify that because last night I was, I looked through local media, like just, just like if I'm, if I'm not working, like I'm working on mm -hmm. that. Right. And I saw you in a, just an obscure magazine, like, holy cow, like he's even here. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, nobody's falling. Right. He, he wants to catch it all. Right. That's really cool. We do. I mean, right. We have and, under and understand it. Right. Um, it's all of this, all of this helps me, but more importantly, it helps our listeners. Right. So we're just, I want to be a source of unbiased, uh, just honest, straightforward and when appropriate, actionable information. 
But I'm going to, you know, so, you know, I'm, you, you know, this is a show of strategy, right? And I'm always thinking, and I'm always thinking strategy. As I'm listening to you speak, I'm like, I hear the music, like it's just going off, like boom, boom, boom. Like you're hitting on every tenet of the core idea that I wanted to have this show be about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Strategy. Perfect example. During the height of the market, a vacant home, sure, we could sell it without staging it, right? Most agents, and I, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I know at least some because I was involved with some, but there are, there are some, you know, would, it, would, would the typical agent go to the expense, the trouble, the extra work to stage a vacant house? Not because you didn't need it to get it sold, what you needed was to get it sold for the top dollar that it could sell for. The right? highest price, the shortest amount of time, and the widest consumer base. So it's not just mm. one or the other. Right. The other thing is where people fall short is if we didn't stage that home and it doesn't sell, then a week, three weeks later, we then re we stage it and then rebrand it. You've already missed your opportunity. I don't want to miss my opportunity. We put right. our best foot forward. So you see a lot of agents are chasing their tail. That's why price adjustments, when they don't know what else to do, they drop the price. An interesting thing uh, that we're seeing right now in lieu of price adjustments and in lieu of prices is in your world. We're seeing these buy downs. Yep. yep. What is a buy down, please? We have talked about those ad nauseum before. Every kind of buy down. Yeah. Okay. So just a buy down, it, it can mean different things, okay? So there's the permanent version and there's the temporary version, all right? But they all function generally, they are, they are money that generally comes from the seller given to the buyer to facilitate their agreement to close on a home at a certain price, okay? Um, if it's a permanent buy down, that money is being taken, it's buying down the interest rate and we are able to use that money to not only get a, it's not just about getting a lower interest rate. It's about getting the right lower interest rate. Okay. Because just more money and more money and more money at a certain point, you're chasing a harder and harder to hit target because rates, you know, there's a sweet spot that they, you know, that they should be at what I call the point of maximum efficiency. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting into nerd land, right. Which is where I live. Um, (laughs) there is a, there's a right thing for that. Right. So by doing that, we can significantly reduce, minimize, whatever you want to call it, the cost of owning that home over its term, right. Mm -hmm. That feeds that top line tenant of, um, um, maximizing what your home is going to mean to you when you retire, right. Where your net worth stands out. Temporary buy down. Um, it doesn't really, it's reflected in an, in an interest rate reduction, but there's no leverage with it, meaning mm-hmm. there's no investment value to the money that the seller is giving you to put into it. It's just a dollar-for-dollar buy-down of the rate reflected in a reduced payment when, uh, when that, and it's a pool of cash that's set aside. Once that pool runs out, then the payments go back, they, and they figure it out so that either after one year, two years, or three years, that pool is exhausted, and then the loan like sits at the rate, the note rate that it, you know, that it's written for. Okay, two two completely different things, 
that sort of gets you to the right place, which one to use? Well, it depends on your situation. L- right? Little levers there that right. you can control. It depends on it depends on what you believe is going to happen in the beginning, it, it, and that answer is gonna is gonna vary based on based on um, what your needs and goals are and the client. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's why you got to do an analysis. You can't you can't just blanket give advice and do that. You know, it's the advantage that I have, it's the advantage that Mark has. Um, we are not just guys on the radio <laughs> trying to help people out, but we actually sit down face to face with people and can do the due diligence um, at with them uh, that needs to be done in order to give them give them the best the best thing to do. But with you, what you're doing, um, going to the extremes, applying a process, a proven process, because you've got the track record to prove it that maximizes what a home will sell for. That's the bookend on, on the, on that core transaction, Mm. you know, and between the time you buy a house and between the time you sell and you sell your house, those fluctuations really don't matter. I would agree. I think that ultimately there's an old saying, if you were an investor, you have to buy right. And, and certainly as a primary resident, you want to buy right. But as you suggest over time, it works out. We've seen that how home prices continue to increase. Your home in Florida that you were referring to is <laughs> worth more today than it was in the height in 2004, 5, 6. So over time, can you time it? You can't. But ultimately, it's a great place to be. I tried. I tried to time it. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. And, you, you did. Know, and it, it sounded just, right. right. Well, it, All felt, the factors. it felt right. And let me tell you, when you're in the middle of it and you're just, you're in that extreme pain, and this is why you need an advisor to mm. bounce ideas off of. At the time, I did not. I was I was my own advisor, right? And there's a saying that goes with that. I'm not going to say it. But um, what, Deloitte, you know, something about uh, the person who's his own lawyer has a fool for a client, something like that. <laughs> um, you know. But Mark, how, how would we get a hold of you again? Sure, again, Mark Gelman, the Gelman team. Google us, you'll see five-star rating, over 755 star reviews. We're excited to have been on your show. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Paul, for having me. If any of your listeners want to reach out, just for information. I mean, we don't charge for that. There's no commitment. Uh, reach out. This is my passion. I love talking about it, so we're here for you. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell too. I yeah. mean, it's really uh, we're we're honored that you came in today, and uh, it was really really cool to see that passion and uh, the experience, and not just all talk. I appreciate that. And if you want to get a hold of me, uh, mortgage website goshelter.com. Uh, direct phone line three one four two seven five zero three one four. All right, that's Michael Midget, HomeWise Radio, homewiseradio.com. If you want to get a hold of me, just talk to him, and uh, he'll get me through. You're also on Facebook. (laughs) I'm on Facebook, too, HomeWise Radio with Michael Midget. Like it, follow it, share it, spread the word. All right, from Michael, and many thanks to Mark Gelman. I'm Paul Cook. Thanks so much for listening. HomeWise with Michael Midget. Loan and loan information provided by Michael Midget, NMLS number 205402, and Shelter Mortgage, Inc., 691 Trade Center Boulevard, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63005, NMLS number 192609, a Missouri residential mortgage licensee.